The grass is always green around the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. On 95.5 WSB. First day of fall, and if you're already up and at them early this morning, you feel it. I had the uh, seat warmers on in the car. I feel like such a brat having seat warmers, but I do, and I use them because I'm just easily cold. So it is the first day of fall. Loving it this September 23rd. Good morning. I think it came upon us at 2.50 or so this morning. Every year, I'm not I'm not living right. I'm not decorating right. If if my husband at some point in September doesn't come home from work and then all of a sudden he comes home to you know fall just exploding in our home, and every year I don't even think he does it on purpose. And he realizes he's like, God, it looks like fall threw up in here. I mean that is like his quintessential. Every year he says it, and so I finally I put it on social media. I quoted it. I brought it to his attention this year, and I'm like, Yep, the husband said it looks like fall threw up in here. My work here is done. <laughs> the decor is up. <laughs> <laughs> and and Demarco, what about you, man? What's your favorite thing about this time of year? I love this time of year. Um, I, over the years, I've gotten better at making this particular dish. Ah, um, do you tell my 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 chili has really grown and stepped up a notch. So I normally start making that chili in the fall. You oh. know, for football weather, football season. You know, and and I make my pot of chili, and and everybody's been asking me when you gonna start making that chili. I was, you know, when the fall gets here, when it starts getting cool outside, I'm gonna start making chili again. But are so you I'm looking forward to that. it? Like you're changing it up a little bit each year, tweaking it. Yeah, I'm like, you know what? It could use just a tad bit more of this. Uh-huh. Not so hot, but just a tad bit of this. You know, so I've gotten it perfect over the last couple of years. So now I'm pride myself at, at having good fall chili. That's All what right. I call it. Okay, you've just given me an idea because our engineer, Charles Kinney, is known for his chili. When we have like gatherings, you know, employee gatherings, he brings a Kansas City Chiefs crock pot. Everybody knows his famous chili. And yours, I don't think mine's too bad. Y'all probably have me beat. So we should talk to Jalee and Ken, our bosses, and be like, we need a chili cook-off. A chili cook-off. Would you do it? all in. Yes. Love chili. I don't want you to give away the ingredients in case, you know, we actually do make this. It's kind of like thing. your casserole, you know, your your <laughs> ingredients. You know, you have this special thing that you make, and it's like, I feel like my, my chili is kind of special. Oh, okay, now one question, and this is a weird ingredient, and I don't use it in mine, mole. Have you ever used mole in yours? Now i got to look it up and see yeah. what it is. I don't know what that is, but I'm pretty sure... I've had it before. Yeah. Just, I mean, and a little goes a long way, but just adds a little bit different just flavor. Just a tad bit. Yeah. Okay. DeMarco's chili, my hash brown casserole. Sorry, guys. You're waking up hungry. Uh, sweet Anne, what about you? Your favorite thing about this time of year? Well, um, I can't really make a chili, but my mom can. So she can probably go toe to toe with uh, Char- Charles Kinney there. <laughs> um, being a fall baby, I am naturally very biased. This is my season. And, um, I just love, there is that kind of like an instant fresh air kind mm-hmm. of change and you just, you inhale and it just smells, it just, I don't know, it's like a freshness to it that you don't really get in summer, I guess. You just, you just smell everyone else's sweat and stuff. In there. Yeah. Like the <laughs> um, hot, heavy but air. also just the, it's kind of what I learned in uh, Japan. It's called momijigari and it's the act of watching the leaves fall and change colors and appreciate the new coming of the season. Wow, we should have a term for that. Yeah. Say it again. Momijigari. Wow, that even sounds nice. Wow, that's neat. So yeah, I mean, really, there is something to be said for just that that more of a, a feeling of a slow pace. And, you know, Tina and Anne hit the nail on the head. Like, 
there was just that day, that day when you knew if you were going to take a nap, well, I do, or if you were falling asleep that evening, that night, you're like, you know what? This is like open the windows and, and go to bed kind of weather. And I did that on whatever day that was. It just felt like this is the right thing to do. And you get that fresh air in the house. It's awesome. Love this time of year. So happy fall, y'all. And it's the first day of autumn. 404-872-0750. There you go. See, it's us and the Mike Boozers in the traffic center. Heck, in the next segment, I need to bring Mike Boozer in on that, too, and see what his favorite thing is. I bet he's going to say football. I think three out of four of us, football for sure. But I want to know what else Mike has to say. So we're going to get Mike away from the traffic maps for a moment here in just a bit. 404-872-0750. All right. Up first for the 8 o'clock hour of Green and Growing, it's Greg calling from Roswell. Hey there. Hey, Ashley. How are you? Great. What you up to today? Oh, working. I work every Saturday, and um, I've listened to this show for the last 29 years. Can I can I get your honest opinion, Greg? How am I doing? You're doing excellent. Oh, I will thanks. be honest with you that when Walter retired, I just, I was like, man. <laughs> Me too. Uh, <laughs> you know, who's going to replace him? But you have done a wonderful job. Thank Absolutely. you. Well, thanks for being along with us all these Saturdays. We appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. Um, I've got some crepe myrtles that are on a, they're on a, a slight bank, and there's three that are right up against my parking pad, and then there's two behind them. And I cut them down uh, in February to about four feet, yeah. and there's probably about six stalks, and I don't know, they're probably four or five inches in di- diameter. And it just seems like every year that they come back, and they get bushier and bushier every year and just like overgrown and I'm to the point where I just want to cut them down go ahead and cut them now and I don't know what it's going to do to them but at the same time I'm not too concerned and I don't mean to sound mean but <laughs> I'm not they're just they're growing over the parking pad oh, yeah. it's it's a mess and you know you used to could stand on the parking pad and look out into the yard and into the woods and I mean it's, it's they're so grown up and bushy uh, you can't even see the woods and i would say they're probably about at the highest point 10 11 12 feet okay All and right. i just want to just chop them yeah and what's going to happen if i do that okay now i know this seems kind of counterintuitive greg so stick with me here uh the more we cut them and make extreme hard cuts like that hard pruning that is recommended to do yeah late winter early spring like you said february Crepe myrtles don't even need to be cut, but I understand the reasons you're cutting them. So cutting them at that time is actually signaling to them to grow more. (laughs) So that's the part that seems counterintuitive. So the more you prune, it's going to keep getting that new growth. And as you're talking about the, the parts that are coming up from the ground, those suckers, those shoots... That is the plant stress mechanism of, okay, he just cut off, you know, more, well more than a third. Um, When we do proper pruning, you know, crepe myrtles are a different breed because they're so tough they can come back from anything. But generally, that's why when we're pruning any kind of plant or even a tree, only removing about a third at a time, but no more. So crepe myrtles uh, endure such strong pruning. Oh, hi, cell phone. I need to turn the ringer off. Good morning, Mickey Gasway. She just texted me. Um, so when we cut off much more than a third, it is, you know, hormonally telling that plant signaling, grow, 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 put on new growth. So that's the cause for the abundance of suckers coming up from the ground. Again, it's kind of the roots not knowing where to put that energy because you've removed so, so much of the plant. So I would hold off on major pruning, certainly none of that crepe murder where you're just literally cutting off and you just have 
trunks and nothing else, like knuckles that that uh, then form healing over those wounds. Um, staying after the suckers, too. I mean, making sure in no time at all, just in a matter of months, those suckers coming up from the ground will actually become legitimate trunks that, like you're saying, two, three inches in diameter. Um, so really keeping those mowed over or cut down or whatever. But the less pruning you do at this point, the better. Um, thankfully, with it being near the parking pad, the roots aren't such of like a oak or something that it's really going to disrupt or, you know, mess up the concrete or break up the concrete in any way. But, I mean, how's how's that for counterintuitive, for sure, right? It, it makes all the sense in the world. And, um, you know, years ago, I, I, I did work in landscaping back, you know, when I was in college. And I, I, you know how people, they'll cut and they'll develop those knuckles? Uh-huh. I, I was always told that was the wrong way to prune right, myrtle. So I always cut below, cut the knuckles out or off. And um, and so they're really just just stalks with nothing on them in February, and yeah. I, I, it makes sense what you're saying. Um, and I think you're right. I don't think I could do anything, even if I did something now that would hurt them. They're so tough. <laughs> uh, you know, they, they're gonna they're so resilient. They're gonna come back. You know, and, and maybe thinning out the trunks <laughs> since they're multi-trunked. You know, I mean, if you just go to the base of the plant with a saw and can really saw out a couple of the trunks, I mean, that's thinning the plant out. That may be more beneficial pruning at this point than actually taking it, you know, vertically. So okay. that could be a consideration. And again, staying after the suckers, that way you're not going to have more and more trees and more and more trunks growing. But if I did what if I did now what I do in February, mm -hmm. what do you think would happen? So what I would do when, like I said, crepe myrtles don't need to be pruned, y'all. They really don't. Just because your neighbors and all the everything you see in the winter time, the landscape crews just come along and do crepe murder. As I said, like cutting off the trunk to leave no stems, no branches, no growth, just a flat cut on all those trunks. That's when the knuckles form because that tr uh, tree is trying to kind of heal over. But if you do prune in late winter, early spring. More of a thinning prune for crepe myrtles. And you want to go along and look at that crepe myrtle and start by just removing the long, skinny branches that are about the size of a pencil. You want to thin it out and remove those. Remove any branches that are kind of overhanging a driveway or somewhere where an area where you walk or something like that, but not taking every single branch and every single stem back to the trunk and then cutting the trunk itself. Um, so I know that seems like it's a definitely a lot more time-consuming to do selective pruning like that, but that's thinning it out, and that's going to be more of a proper pruning technique to where it's not just completely stressed because you're re removing so much at a time that its stress response is to send up suckers and all this kind of unwieldy growth. So try that, Greg, um, by thinning it out. Like I said, just removing the whips, the branches that are about a pencil size and diameter. Do that, kind of stand back, kind of evaluate what you've got. And then if it really is just becoming crazy, actually removing maybe one trunk. Um, and then the following season, if it's still a lot, removing another trunk. If you have that option, it's got four or five trunks going at it. Thank you for the call. Good discussion. Very great question now, understanding kind of the, the physiology and the biology behind why it's getting so crazy. The more we prune, the more it's going to grow. It's nuts. 404-872-0750. More of your calls when we come right back. Stay tuned to 95.5 WSB. All right. Oh, Mike, thank you. I love that. All right. So DeMarco's got us covered with chili. Boozer's going to fry turkey. I got hash brown casserole. Anne says her mom can make chili, too. We're eating right on a Saturday morning. We can eat chili and all these things at 6, 7 a.m. I love it. All right. Talking about crepe myrtles and pruning, that was a really good question uh, that we just had from Greg about that. And I have with me now on the line Kevin Caldwell, who is owner of Caldwell Tree Care there in Roswell. We'll cover Metro Atlanta. Hey, Kevin, good morning. 
Hey, good morning, Ashley. So I would love to hear your thoughts on, on crepe myrtle pruning and what to do, what not to do. So um, most landscapers and people in Atlanta think that pruning crepe myrtles in you know, February, January, February, March is the right thing to mm-hmm. do. But uh, in my experience, I learned from the growers at Bold Springs Nurseries years ago that actually if you're trying to structurally prune a correct crepe myrtle trees, it's better to prune them in September. And the reason for that is that you're not going to create a a hormonal response, uh, which is done with the auxins, the hormones in the tree. And so because of that, you're not going to stimulate a lot of new growth, right? which which means you're not going to have a lot of balloons. As you mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, crepe myrtles really, they're not supposed to be pruned the way that we prune them in a lot of cases. We, mm-hmm. they're, they're being over pruned. And so, you know, the research that I conducted after that with some of the other old school pruners was, yeah, we, we prune crepe myrtles quite a bit in September. So not to, to not to rush that, you, not to rush you, Kevin, but I got about 20 seconds here. So how much do you remove of the, of the plant this time of year? Well, you, you're still going to follow the same rules. You never want to remove more than a third, but okay. you could be more substantial and corrective pruning now. I like it. See, and it's slowing down because we're going into a dormant season for things. So you're right. It's not going to throw off as much new growth. Um, I got to give you a plug. Kevin Caldwell, uh, Jeff Roth from Premier Tree Solutions, Rusty Lee and Tiersen Boutte all on the show next Saturday at seven o'clock to talk about GFASI, Georgians for a Safer Tree Industry. Kevin, good to hear from you. Thanks for the call. Got to run. We'll be back. More calls next. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. On 95.5 WSB. I'm on fire today. That one cup of coffee has kicked in, and I'm ready. Like, I'm wanting to post stuff on Facebook left and right. Really good topics in the show that then can carry over to the Facebook page. If you don't already like the Facebook page, search Green and Growing WSB, like and follow a lot of the topics we covered this morning. I've got um, some good videos that are posted um, about mums picking out chrysanthemums this time of year, uh, links to poisonous and toxic plants, to pets and to humans, and what to do, how to get in touch with the Poison Control Center, and a fun little quiz. I want you to take the quiz on uh, things that are fruiting out of trees right now that may be dropping on the ground, and you're like, wow, what's this? Or what tree did this come from? Cool little seed pods. Post the pictures for you to take the quiz, and then I'll post the answers later on today. Uh, 404-872-0750. A lot of good conversations. Um, thanks to Kevin Caldwell of Caldwell Tree Care calling in. Interesting conversation about pruning crepe myrtles. They don't need to be pruned, but my goodness gracious, if they're done incorrectly, so many ways, so many places in Georgia, you've seen it once, you've seen it a thousand times. Someone that I know, a gardener that we all know and love, that uh, crepe murder drives her crazy too. It's Mickey Gasway. <laughs> Good morning. How are you? You don't like crepe murder either, do you, ma'am? No, I don't. No, I don't. It looks mean. Oh my gosh. Well, so good to hear from you. It was so funny. Like, I've been on and off on my phone in the breaks today, and I forgot to turn my ringer off, and I was talking to a caller, and my phone dinged. And of course, I'm distracted. (laughs) And then I I looked at it, and I was like on the air. I was like, oh, hey, Mickey Gasaway just texted me. So I'm glad you called in to share with the world what you were sharing with me. We were talking about peonies, and that's one of your favorites. You know a lot about them. 
I love them. I've got one that is 120 years old. What? Came from our old family farms in Monroe County. Wow. And um, it, it, my parents took it to Atlanta with them, and I've moved it a couple of times. It's a, a Festa Maxima, which is the white one with a little bit of red. Or that's what I think it was. I don't know if they called it that then. But I just love it. It's just my very, very favorite. Now, and, what color is uh, the flower? It's white. It's okay. white, but it's got a little bit of red in the center oh, of it. Oh, nice. All and, right. the, and it smells wonderful. But one of the things I, I said was that, you have to, they're Yankee plants. They're not Southern plants. And so you plant them real shallow. And that's why my daddy told me to plant it. And I did it that way. You plant it real, real shallow and put it in morning sun and afternoon shade because it needs some sun. But up north, I think they plant them in the sun. But um, plant them real shallow so it freezes in the wintertime. And then in the summertime, you mulch it. And then you mulch it to keep it cooler. Now, are you, like, cutting your stems down like I'm advising everybody do no. now? I guess you don't have to, but are you? I don't cut my. I haven't cut mine back. I wait until it dies back a little bit, and then I cut it back. Okay. How many do you have? I've got two, but I've got this one that's real old, another one that somebody gave me, and it's a pink one. I'm not sure which one it is, but it came from a really old house here in Dallas, so it had been there a long time. Wow. You know, another favorite that may be thought of more as a Yankee plant, correct me if I'm wrong, lavender. Like, that doesn't grow. Oh, no, no, no. It's not lavender. It's, lavender grows in the... Lavender's um, tropical. Yeah. I'm thinking of some purple plant that people have called well, about. I love salvias, of course. I love all the salvias. Yeah. The, the lavender usually grows in the Mediterranean. Yeah, that's true. No, it's not that, but... I, of course, I, I shouldn't even open my mouth if I can't remember what it is. Um, but peonies, you even reminded me, too, when we we're planting peonies real shallow. And, I mean, they need, almost like peach trees, they need those chill hours in the wintertime to yeah, kind of be activated. Did. That's right. And never, ever, ever say y'all around them. <laughs> Yankee plants can't stand the y'all, can they? Stand the y'all. So when I say happy fall, y'all, the little peonies are like, no, don't say that. <laughs> oh no, my gosh. Plants. They are beautiful plants. I really don't have any problem with them at all. Now, I haven't had good luck with the, the big, the yellow ones, the woody tree peonies. I haven't had as good a luck with those as I have the other ones. So I don't know why. Probably doing them wrong or something. And now, what uh, cool season vegetables, what crops are you doing right now? Oh, I'm doing, uh, well, I've pulled my knee out, so I'm not doing anything. I'm feeling oh. perfect. Um, but I, um, I usually say, and I'm going to do it next week. I'm going to get one of the kids to help me. I'm going to uh, plant some broccoli and some uh, cabbage. And I did I had real good luck with cauliflower last year. Nice. So I'm going to do some cauliflower. And uh, I had a few Brussels sprouts. And, um, of course, I do collards for uh, for New Year's. And um, that's, oh, and sugar snaps. The Brussels sprouts are fun the way they grow on that stalk, just like little balls off the side of the stalk. That looks neat. I think you have to, what I learned from that is that you have to stake it, though. If you don't stake it, it won't stay up. Get a little top heavy. And see, so you're yeah. growing stuff you eat. You're not growing the stuff that you don't like to eat. I mean, you're growing stuff that you'll eat yourself. Well, I do, some, I do pansies and things like that, like, you know, everybody else. And Oh, and I love hellebores. I've got a zillion tree of hellebores. Yep, and same. The, the deer won't eat those. No, yeah. I mean, they Lenten rose, hellebores, they don't touch mine. They have the choice of hostas on one side, hellebores on the other, and I let them have the hostas, whatever. <laughs> you know, the hellebores will make them high. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, they better stay away from them. I don't want some hallucinating crazy deer in my landscape. They'll drive Shadow crazy. 
they say that's why the witches in Salem thought they were uh, flying. Because the hellebores? That's wild. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if that's true. Could be. Well, hey, Mickey, good to hear from you. And I'm going to get you in the studio. we got to work out a schedule to where you're going to sit in and we'll take calls together. That sounds like a plan. I'm speaking it it into happening. It really will. Thank you so much. So good to hear from you this morning, friend. See you soon. Bye-bye. Have a good one. All the knowledge and stories that Mickey has. We could talk to her all day. Miss you, Mickey. 404-872-0750. Thanks for being so patient. Gina calling from Conyers out in Rockdale County this morning. Hey, Gina. Hi, Ashley. How are you? Thank you for holding. Glad to talk to you finally. Well, I will be moving from one side of the city to the other, and I have some hostas and also a very special uh, rose bush that were given to me either by my family, my dad, or a friend. And at this time of year, is it, can I even uh, uh, dig them up and move them, and will they survive? Absolutely. Really, the time of year we don't want to do a lot of moving or transplanting is summer just because of so much heat stress and oftentimes, you know, drought stress that the roots are going to have trouble acclimating to a new place. But fall, we always say, is a great time to install new trees and shrubs because the cooler weather and cooler soil temperatures allow for root growth. And so transplanting would follow the same rules. Absolutely. You already have that new hole dug first, and then you go to work digging up the stuff that you're going to move. Well, I mean, in your case, moving to a different house. But if you're just moving stuff around the yard, dig that new hole first and then dig those up. That way they're not out of the ground for too long. And then get them back in the ground as soon as you can and keep the, the plant watered real well to acclimate and break up that soil really good, you know, in the new planting hole. Um, especially for the rose bushes, Gina, I'm sure you've planted them. So dig the hole, of course, wider than deep so that as many of the roots as you've been able to save can lay out along the, the soil and grow wider than, than deep. But as long as you've got a wide enough hole, hole and water it in real good backfill it with the soil that came from that hole don't go pouring a new bag of soil or anything in there you're going to do just fine and yeah hostas dig them up and move them and even divide them if they've gotten too big fantastic well thank you so much yeah good to hear from you i'm so glad you called me now (laughs) at the end of september and not like june like i'm moving i want to move all my stuff maybe like yeah you might want to tell the new owners of the house that you'll be coming back in the fall but this is going to be great just keep everything watered and it has been a little dry i think there's some uh small chance of rain in the forecast coming up uh in the week in the middle of the week that may help but just keeping things watered and when we transplant stuff like that watering at the base of the plant you know overhead watering isn't really doing a whole lot of good for for most plants so watering at the base and letting that soil get saturated and making sure it's packed in uh, nice and tight kind of stomping it lightly with your foot when you put something in a new spot that way you're not going to get any uh, soil washing away or exposing any roots or anything uh, 404 Um, Okay, up next is Allison calling from Buford. Hey, Allison, good morning. Hey, good morning, Ashley. How are you? Great. What's going on with you? Well, I've got a perennial garden, and I've got one particular area that I struggle with. Um, I've got annuals that grow in the front, fine, no problem. But in the back, where I have had shasta daisies and coneflowers, they just keep dying. I'll plant them. One time, it looked like that something just ate them off at the root. I don't see anything. I don't see evidence of moles or voles. It's in a fenced-in area. I don't think it's deer getting in here. And it's just this one area. I've even got one, two, three, four areas where I put coneflowers, and then there's a coneflower a little bit to the right that survived, and it's fine. 
Now, you know, mole damage is obviously going to be bigger, taller tunnels, but they don't necessarily tunnel. They're open kind of in the in the lawn and things like that. They'll tunnel along edges of walkways and driveways. Right. But vole damage, when you say something, it looks like it's eating the roots. Um, you won't necessarily see tunnels. You may see a hole here and there, but voles but, being underground, you won't see them, but they could be eating the roots. But wouldn't I, like, notice when I walk, like, humps like moles or no? No, not necessarily. Like where they have tunnels. No, voles are so much smaller that they don't oh. leave the raised tunnels like moles do. I mean, the the mole tunnels in my yard are about three or four inches across, and you just step onto that soil yeah. and it just collapses under your feet. But voles are so much smaller, they kind of run along mulch just below the soil, and they're pretty lazy, so they go to the roots and the plant parts that are kind of right there at the soil line. Um, so I'm hmm. kind of wondering if that's the same thing. Um, well, that's what... I I put I posted um, something in our uh, neighborhood, and some people said maybe it's voles. But so I want to go and replace these now. I mean, I'm pulling it up, and it's like it's just died right at the roots, right yeah. below the the soil. So it could be that, um, and in the case that it is voles, and you're able to see some of that root damage and roots just literally broken. Um, make like a little, I say fence and air quotes, like hardware cloth and wrapping it around the base of like woody plants that they are going after because they'll eat like, like I said, right at the soil line, either that part of the little trunk or the roots. Um, when you pull mulch back, maybe about four or five inches away from the base of certain plants, they kind of have to come out into the open then to get to the base of the plant. They don't want to do that since they live along the, the uh, mulch. So if you're pulling it away from the plant just a little bit, that kind of exposes them. They don't want to be exposed. Uh, look for runways. Gently pull back. Like if you see smaller tunnels, I mean, like I'm saying, moles, you're definitely going to know. Moles are three, four, five inches wide. But little small runways of, of voles. But if it's not that, it might be root rot. I mean, if there is, uh, you know, it's, if it's a lower lying area or it hasn't been amended in a long time and it's the same soil and you haven't really introduced fresh mulch into the area, it could be root rot as well because that would enable you to just literally yank it out of the ground with no problem um, if, if the roots are rotted. So do what you can also to build up the soil there, Allison, in that bed a little bit and maybe introduce some fresh soil in and mix it in. Make sure you get all the dead parts of the existing plants out. Um, but it also could be root rot, some kind of like Phytophthora uh, root rot. And you would see the symptoms in the leaves and stuff, too, as they're, you know, browning unnaturally. Um, so that's two things to consider. I hate to not give you a little more comprehensive answer, but think about that. Look for vole damage. You'll definitely see bite marks and things chewing um, versus maybe, you know, really looking at that area after a rain and seeing how quickly the, the moisture and the water drain out of that spot. And that could be it, too, just staying too wet. Thanks for the call. Time to go check traffic. We'll be right back. It's Green and Growing on WSB. All right, the weather update from Findlay Roofing today and tomorrow. Highs in the low 80s. It's going to be really pleasant, sunny with a breeze for the first day of fall. And I got to I gotta say, I love you guys. Y'all pay attention. Uh, Cornelius Tarver listens to the show all the time. Susan Morgan, whom I just met recently up in Big Canoe. David Hitt and Julie Pittman are all on Facebook. You were thinking about lilacs, Ashley, not lavender. When I was talking to Mickey about Yankee plants, lilacs. Thank you, guys. My brain, by now, it should be functioning. I've been here for over three hours, but I think my body knows, like, hey, aren't you going to go home and take a nap? So it's shutting back down. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. All right, we have time quickly uh, for Gene in Berkeley Lake. Hey, good morning. Hey, I saw uh, two cherry trees reblooming 
about half of the tree had blooms on it right on uh, in Johns Creek on State Bridge. Yeah. And then uh, a couple of days, Tuesday, and then yesterday, I saw a Bradford pear that uh, had a number of blooms on it again. So why does it do that? You know, that's so funny. I noticed that as well. I forget where I was, but I saw, I think here at the station, and I saw a few uh, pink blooms on a cherry tree, just like one branch. And I thought, "Uh oh, that's not a good sign. Uh, Gene, what I am going to attribute that to is that uh, Christmas freeze that we had really delayed everything from growing the way it should have been triggered to start in the spring and that's when april may even june i was telling people just wait wait and see wait and see if the plant's dead a lot of plants took that five or six months to bounce back but they're still alive the roots were still alive it took a lot of time for the spring growth to catch up and then what plants did not get affected by the christmas freeze they were starting to bud out in spring and march and then we had two freezes in march so i really think that delayed and confused a lot of plants So we'll see what it does. The crops and the trees I'd be worried about, cherry trees and all those things. But other things with blooms now, I don't think it's going to hurt them. Great observation. Guys, thank you so much. It's been a wonderful morning spending with all of you and Ann and DeMarco and Mike and Tina. So y'all have a great weekend. Talk to you soon and go dogs. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.